1: Noor Azria, the associate producer here at Commons, had something important she wanted to show me on her phone.
0: Arshi, I'm embarrassed that I've become this person, but I need to show you my phone background. No judgments, though.
1: Okay, let's see it. And sitting there was a photo of one of the cutest cats I've ever seen. Oh,
0: she's adorable. Meet Layla. She is my sweetheart. So regal. So I heard she was sick recently. She was, I think, like the runt of her litter, and she was really small when we got her. And they spayed her so, so early. And I'm guessing it was like extremely tolling on her body. So she was constantly throwing up and I had to take her to the vet. And don't let me get started on how hard it was to get someone to see her.
1: So Noor, I am going to get you started. (laughs) Tell me what happened.
0: She was throwing up for a day, and we decided, I'm going to call the vet. I'm freaking out. She's a baby. I called the first vet. They're full. Called the second. There's a wait list. Called the third. They also said there was a wait list. I called, like, probably, like, four or five places. So I decided I'm going to take her to the emergency vet. The animal hospital. The animal hospital. Correct.
1: And even there, the trouble didn't stop for Noor and her poor kitty.
0: There was also a wait list for the animal hospital. We would bring her in, and every 30 minutes, they'd call us back and say, you need to take her home. We have, like, a bigger emergency that we have to take care of. They called me back again and said, you can bring her over now. Went back and brought her to the animal hospital, called me back and said, you need to take her home. We have another emergency. And that happened almost three times before she eventually could see a veterinarian.
1: So how long did this whole ordeal take you?
0: About four days. Oh, that's so sad. I know. She's suffering
1: this whole time.
0: I know. Poor little thing.
1: Well, the thing is, Noor, I don't think you're the only person in Canada going through this because obviously more people than ever have pets, but veterinary care is harder to get than ever before. There's more demand for it than we've ever seen.
0: And unfortunately, not a lot of places we can go.
1: So for everyone listening, I'm Arshi Mann. This is Commons. And today we're going to be spending some time looking at this one very specific industry. Now, it may not appear obvious that veterinarians have anything at all to do with monopolies. After all, it seems like there's lots of different vets out there that you can choose from. Even a town as small as Hope, BC, population 6,000, has two different veterinary clinics. But there's something happening to vets in this country that has profound implications for the way your pets get cared for. And it gives us a glimpse into the secretive industry that's reshaping enormous chunks of our economy. Everything from pharmacies to dental clinics to childcare, and even housing. Mike Mossop knows a thing or two about pets.
2: My name is Michael Mossop, Dr. Michael Mossop, and I'm a veterinarian. I've been practicing for 12, 13 years now, and uh, over the last four years, I've been running my own practice called Treat Well Pet Care, which offers kind of a unique hybrid of in-home mobile care as well as telemedicine. And during his time
1: as a veterinarian, Mike has seen a lot of change.
2: Quite frankly, like, I would say that our industry is kind of in crisis. There's a lot of pets out there, a lot of people in need of care for their pets, and there are just not enough veterinarians to go around. According to Mike,
1: there's a lot of different factors driving the vet shortage. For one, a lot of people got pets during the pandemic, and I mean a lot. According to an Abacus data survey, nearly a million people got a pet who didn't have one before in the year after COVID-19 struck. And even before that, we simply hadn't been training enough veterinarians.
2: Is part of that that the school system isn't graduating enough people, probably doesn't help. There's a lot of foreign trained vets who do want to come and work in Canada, and that process is very taxing, very difficult. But honestly, I think the biggest factor is a lot of vets don't like their jobs. And, you know, like I said, I've I've been out of school for 10 or 12 years now, and I find maybe going back five years, so when I was seven, eight, nine years out of school, my classmates just kind of started dropping like flies. Like they were basically leaving the profession, not being happy at their job, either looking to move to another clinic and then not being happy there. You know, ultimately a lot of them either kind of go into industry or research or a completely different line of work altogether. that is really, to me, the biggest issue, right, is, is just the turnover has gotten higher and higher over the years.
1: Now, here's what you need to understand.
2: If you started out as a veterinarian,
1: chances are your first few jobs are going to be working for another vet in their practice. That's where Mike found himself a few years into his career, when a big change took place at the practice he was working at the practice was bought out by a group called Associate Veterinary Clinics, or AVC. So now instead of just being a single independent clinic, Mike was working for a veterinary chain.
2: They said, okay, you guys, you know, you guys are great practices. That's why we're coming in and buying you. You keep doing what you're doing, you know, continue to do the medicine you're doing. We're going to centralize HR and maybe give you some extra backup, some extra resources, and everything will be great.
1: But that wasn't to last.
2: And then in the years that followed, that was just, it, it wasn't a sudden shift, but like incrementally that got kind of eaten away. It's just that the system got more and more onerous. The Canadian chain AVC
1: was bought out by an even bigger company, VCA.
2: The acronyms start to get a little, little uh, mushy there. They're similar.
1: Now, even if you haven't heard of VCA, I promise that you've heard of its owners, Mars Incorporated the makers of M&M's, Twix, Milky Way, and, of course, the Mars Bar.
3: You can't get any better. But you can get a little different. Mars Bar.
1: And now Mars Bar with arms. So how the hell did Dr. Mike Mossop, a veterinarian in Ottawa, end up working for the same people that make Snickers and Hubba Bubba? Well, it turns out that Mike's practice wasn't the only one. Almost a quarter of all veterinary practices in Canada today are corporate controlled. And much of that has to do with the increasing reach of private equity firms.
3: So the thing about private equity is it's, they're not necessarily household names that Canadians would know. They kind of operate in the shadows, right? They exert this huge influence. I'm Denise Hearn. I'm a senior fellow at the American Economic Liberties Project, which is an anti-monopoly think tank and policy advocacy group in Washington, D.C. And I also co-authored a book called The Myth of Capitalism, Monopolies, and the Death of Competition. Now, in some ways, private equity is self-explanatory. They're
1: firms that use private money to invest in other companies. And there's a range of different kinds of firms that fall under that broad umbrella. But when people are talking about private equity... They're usually referring to leveraged buyout firms.
3: And most of the private equity transactions are called leveraged buyouts where they use a lot of debt to, you know, quote, invest in a company. But then they have to make that back. And one of the ways that they do, you know, is they have to generate a lot of profits. And so sometimes that's through efficiencies that they've gained. But other times it can come from jacking up the prices, businesses are charging or laying off workers or what have you. If you're a little
1: confused, don't worry. I've got an example of a leveraged buyout that will help clear things up. Tim Hortons. Back in 2014, Tim Hortons was acquired by the Brazilian private equity firm 3G Capital. And in order to finance the purchase, 3G Capital had to borrow billions of dollars. And in order to pay back that money, 3G Capital went on a ruthless cost-cutting spree across the restaurant chain which has pissed off franchise owners and basically turned the once-beloved brand into something that a lot of Canadians no longer feel affection for. Private equity deals often go wrong, sometimes leading to spectacular bankruptcies. Toys R Us, Radio Shack, and Sears were all destroyed by private equity. And private equity is everywhere you look these days
3: in Canada, it's a little harder because there isn't as much research and data in Canada as there is in the U.S. So sometimes it's a little harder to parse. And by nature, because private equity is private, it's very difficult to get accurate information. But in the U.S., there are double the amount of companies that are controlled by private equity as there are public companies. And so they have a massive influence in our economy and it's only growing.
1: But private equity firms don't just target huge companies like Tim Hortons or Radio Shack. During the era of low interest rates, they've been looking for ever more creative ways to get returns on their investments. And the roll-up became a favorite strategy. It's a way to consolidate otherwise competitive industries.
3: So all this cash has flooded into the industry, and that means that they've had more money to play with, more opportunity to buy up companies, to consolidate industries. And the way that they do that is they do something called add-on acquisitions or roll-ups is, an, is kind of the colloquial term for it. They'll you know look at an industry that's kind of disaggregated and they'll say, oh, all these businesses have positive cash flow. And if we consolidate them all through these small acquisitions, then we can actually build some market power and market share and never have to report it to regulators because the acquisitions are too small to have to report.
1: Veterinary clinics have become a favorite target. They're attractive to private equity firms for a lot of reasons. For one, they have stable customer bases. After all, people don't really have a choice when their pets get sick. And private equity firms believe that there's lots of room for more quote-unquote efficiencies. But what's most efficient and what's good for your pets isn't always the same thing. When Mike Mossop's firm was rolled up, he says that it became more difficult to provide pets with the care that they deserve the decision-makers were further and further away from the people providing care, and veterinarians had less autonomy.
2: When the people making the decisions and watching the bottom line are no longer accessible, that decision gets super complicated. Like you, you ask a manager who then asks their manager who then runs it up to God knows where, and maybe six months later you get an answer. Whereas in some ways, like that should be a decision that the team should be able to make in a day or an hour. You lose the ability to evolve with the situation rapidly, and I, I think those little problems kind of pile up, and, and they actually get to be super significant, and it just means your day is less efficient, you have a little bit less control, and it gets frustrating, I guess is, is the thing, and I, I think part of that leads to burnout, basically, and people leaving the profession. These vet shortages can have pretty horrible consequences. There's even cases where, you know, we know there's pets who are literally dying. that get turned away from emergency. They get referred to other cities because Ottawa is so shorthanded. It's pretty crazy. I feel bad because it's the pets and the pet parents who lose out.
1: And according to reporting by Chris Hannay in The Globe and Mail, many vets report that they feel pressure to churn through more patients after they've been bought out by private equity
3: complaints about private equity investing in things like healthcare, dental care, you know, veterinary clinics and the like is that, you know, sometimes the quality of service goes down. Sometimes the physicians feel pressured to be maximizing their productivity and their output. And so they're, you know, seeing patients really quickly and have to move through, you know, as many patients as they can in a day sort of thing. So those are some of the ways that they would try to earn back the massive amounts of, of debt that they've imposed on the company. So let's say
1: you, dear listener, decide one day to go out and get yourself a hedgehog. Let's call him Spike. Spike Lee. And one day, little Spike looks like he's just not feeling too well. Now you want to provide your prickly pal with the best care possible. And after listening to this episode, you're a bit wary of those private equity-run vets. So how can you tell which one's which? Unfortunately, that's harder than you'd think.
3: If a dental clinic, as an example, gets acquired, they'll sort of keep everything as is. And so the patients may never know that the clinic has been bought out. And as I've been researching this, I went to my own dentist recently and I said, You know, I just want to ask who owns you? Are you the owner? You know, are you independent? And she was like, Yes, I'm independent, but I get flyers three times a week from these aggregators trying to get me to sell to them. And what she said was even more nefarious was that sometimes the flyers come from what look like other independent dentists. And she's like, I bet if I looked into it, they're probably owned by these corporate consolidators trying to appeal to me to say, oh, I could sell to another you know, independent physician. But that's the thing is that the lack of transparency is a real problem. And I think you know most people want to support their independent businesses, small businesses, people who have dedicated their life to being a presence in the community and all of that. That's one of the insidious things about this is the lack of transparency.
1: And it's not just veterinarians. Like Denise mentioned, dental clinics are a top target of private equity roll-ups. So are pharmacies. And so,
3: so much more. In the U.S., we've got mobile home parks being rolled up by private equity, magic mushrooms, so psychedelics, youth addiction treatment centers, hospital beds. The other one I forgot to mention was nursing homes. And there was a study done not too long ago that I think, you know, during COVID, private equity owned nursing homes had 11 percent higher death rate for patients because the quality of care was wasn't as good as at other independent clinics or, you know, other forms of ownership. So almost every rock you turn over, there's there's something there.
1: Increasingly, even residential housing has become a target for private equity.
3: And the trend is that the private equity companies are buying up sometimes entire neighborhoods, you know, entire residential neighborhoods. And then it turns out that your landlord is essentially a private equity firm. So this is an intentional strategy that they're going to keep pursuing until somebody steps in.
1: In Canada, these trends are only growing. While 25% of vets are under corporate ownership, almost half of all pharmacies are. Only 5% of dental offices are, but that number is growing, though it's slowed a little with the rise of interest rates. But here's the thing. While a lot of private equity firms are faceless entities that most Canadians haven't even heard of, the biggest ones of all, they're pension funds. Ontario teachers, Ontario municipal employees, and the Canadian pension plan all have giant and active private equity arms.
3: Institutional investors, so pension funds and sovereign wealth funds and even foundations and the like, have been allocating more to private equity because they've thought, oh, that's a way that we can make a higher return in an environment the last few years that's had very low interest rates. And so they can't make money on bonds. And, and so they've allocated to private equity.
1: Ontario Teachers has a private equity investment in the UK's biggest childcare provider that has recently come under scrutiny, with some parents worried about what the drive for more efficiencies could mean for their children. As for Mike Mossop, he eventually had enough. He didn't want to work for a big, faceless private equity firm that was so far removed from him and the pets that he cared for. So he decided to take a different path.
2: I'd had enough, and it's just again lack of control, no room to progress in terms of the career, and just really heavy workload. I did some soul searching. I wasn't sure what I was going to do. I considered going back to school to specialize. I considered just leaving the profession altogether. You know, ultimately, I felt I had developed a really you know, a valuable skill set, and there there are still a lot of things I, I like about the work that I do. And I guess I came to the conclusion that there had to be a better way. Like, how do we get that excellence in customer service back? He wanted to focus on the things that he felt the corporate vets weren't. We tried to come up with this new model of just really started with, okay, how how do we make taking care of pets easier? And everything has stemmed from that question.
1: Today, he runs an independent mobile vet clinic, making house calls to treat his furry patients
2: in the way we're practicing now number 1 i really like the medicine is much more relaxed and the the relationship building like you just you have more time to talk to people more time to write files more time to do research and i love that part but honestly like the business aspect of it has been kind of a breath of fresh air it's it's been a lot of work and a lot of stress there is no question but it's kind of opened up a new learning opportunity for me and that's kind of kept me engaged and challenged
1: And even though Mike's been able to find a way that works for him, he's still worried about where veterinary care is heading in Canada. Private equity has been quietly reshaping our economy for decades, largely outside of the oversight of regulators. But the strangest thing of all is that historically, private equity hasn't made enormous returns for its investors. Despite the damage it's done to industries, you'd make just as much money investing in index funds as you would in private equity. But despite everything you've heard in this episode about private equity and about veterinarians, there's one voice that's been missing in this conversation. The voice of those affected most. The pets. Luckily, while working on this episode, I was cat-sitting. So I asked Quintana Roo, the 11-year-old feline that I was watching over, what she thought about all of this. Okay, Quinn. What do you think about private equity roll-ups of veterinary clinics? I'm sorry, what was that? I couldn't have said it better myself. That's your episode of Commons. If you like this episode, please leave us a rating and review in Apple Podcasts. This episode relied on work done by Chris Hannay at The Globe and Mail, Bethan Staton at Financial Times, Denise Hearn, Matt Stoller, and many others. If you want to get in touch with us, you can tweet us at CommonsPod. You can also email me, Arshi, at CanadaLand.com. This episode was produced by me and Jordan Cornish, with reporting and additional production by Noor Azria, Our production coordinator is Andre Pruhl. And our music is by Nathan Burley. You can listen to Commons ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. If you value this podcast, please support us. We rely on listeners like you paying for journalism. And as a supporter, you'll get premium access to all our shows ad-free, including early releases and bonus content. And you'll get our exclusive newsletter, discounts on Canadaland merch, invites and tickets to our live and virtual events, and more than anything, you'll be a part of the solution to Canada's journalism crisis, and you'll be keeping our work free and accessible to everybody. Come join us now. Click the link in your show notes or go to canadaland.com join.